Welcome to the Culture Revolution with Culture Connects. Please join us in a series of guests as we explore the future of all things culture. If you're interested in being on the show, please send an email to podcast at cultureconnects.com. And now, without further ado, your host and favorite culture geek, Lena Graves. Hello, friends. Lena here with Culture Connects. Super excited to be welcoming my guest for today, Julianne Sullivan. Julianne is re- refers to herself as the queen of culture, and I am super excited to be interviewing Julianne today because she has so much wisdom to share as it relates to culture. Uh, Julie, Julianne's business is... Uh, She is a culture expert, and we have had the opportunity to have multiple conversations in regards to culture. As you all know, I am super passionate about culture, so when Julianne and I get on a call, we are always (laughs) having to cut ourselves short, even though we may have been talking for an hour or two or sometimes beyond that, just because we can go on and on. So this is a very exciting opportunity for me. Thank you so much, Julianne for joining me today. And I would love for you to share with us, how did you become the business culture expert that you are today? And how did your career take you to where you are today? Well, thanks very much, Lena. It really is great to get together with you. Uh, We do have a good time talking to each other. And my path towards becoming a business culture expert is kind of unique. Um, which makes what I know and what I do unique as well. So I started out with a bachelor's degree in psychology. I was very interested in people and how they act and react to the world. And once I graduated with that degree, I made a promise to myself to deliberately learn about human behavior, meaning I made that deliberate choice every day through a multitude of avenues. And I learned it about me or the people around me. And I've continued to do that every day, highlight something about human behavior. And of course, uh, in the middle right now, when we're recording this, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So there's lots of opportunities uh, for that discovery. Then I moved on and believe it or not, got an MBA in accounting and everybody about this point goes, what? (laughs) But I found accounting to be a lot like a puzzle and it afforded me the opportunity to learn about business functionality, you know, what it takes to run a business in many different areas. Uh, And when I didn't want to learn any more about accounting, I knew I had to quit because I'm also a firm believer in you have to keep getting better at no matter what you're doing. And I didn't want to do that. So I left. And at about that time, 2009, the phrase employee engagement was birthed. And so... I realized that I had a very unique perspective on employee engagement, which eventually developed into the employee experience, which eventually developed into business culture. And then along that journey, I had a podcast. Um, My podcast is Businesses That Care, and I have been privileged to talk to over 60 C-suite leaders and consultants 
but primarily the C-suite leaders about how they had created and sustained great cultures. And that was like a research project. I feel like I did my PhD. Amazing. Um, and yeah, and they were different industries, different sizes, different longevities. Um, so over time, having all of that and continuing, I'm a research freak. I like to read about what the newest studies are and what's going on in the world. Um, I just became really smart and uh, highly think of myself as an expert because of the experience and the research I've done. Amazing. And, and I love that because it gives you such a wonderful opportunity and honestly an advantage when, when you talk about culture, having had the opportunity to speak to all those leaders and, and understand what things they have done right, what things they have not done so well, and how, how could you continue to improve, and more importantly, how you continue to sustain culture, because we all know that sometimes we get super excited about, okay, let's, let's work on a culture project, quote unquote, and then people get stuck, right? Because it's an ongoing set of behaviors and habits that we develop that need to continue in order for that culture to, to cultivate and to continue to be what it is. So I imagine that during that research and during those interviews, you uh, were able to just get so much information from all, all those leaders and be, and be able to obviously also share with others uh, and, and share some thoughts and ideas. Yeah, because now I know what works. And I have a lot of different things that work and I understand how to adapt them for other uh, companies. Um, and as you and I both agree on, culture is uh, a living organism. It, it, you don't do it for a week or two weeks or a year, you do it forever. And it moves and changes or, you know, the new favorite word is pivot, which I'm done with hearing that word. Um, <laughs> But to, to have a culture because your people's change and times change and, you know, culture, your culture stays true to itself, whatever your fundamentals are, but the way you deliver that has to change as everything else changes. I love that you shared that because I think that's one critical part of success as it relates to culture, right? A lot of times people think that when we talk about culture, that it is the same thing over and over again. But what we have learned over the years is that organizations grow, change, and we have to be comfortable with change. And if we have that solid foundation of what culture truly is and what the culture of the organization truly is, communication, compassion, whatever is it that a particular organization has chosen, then we can get comfortable with change and advancing the organization, taking it to the next level. But that's often a concept that is uncomfortable for people because then they start thinking, wait a minute, we thought that culture had to be consistent. And while yes, the answer is we have to be consistent with our culture, we can't get uh, stuck in a, in a place. We have to continue driving that forward. So, so I love that statement that you share because I think that brings light into what culture really is and the importance of being flexible with change. And I'm fortunate because in the beginning, I talked about three C's communication, collaboration, and change. So I've had a lot of experience with uh, 
talking about change and learning about change and what makes people makes it easier for people to change and what barriers people have for change. And when you're talking about uh, changing a culture or enhancing an already good culture, everything I know about change management comes into play with that as well. So it's a great, it turns out to be a great combination. Absolutely. So that's a, a perfect segue into my next question, because obviously we're all very well aware of the current crisis we are going through. And it seems fairly simple to push culture aside during a time of crisis, because it's probably easy for organizations to focus on putting out fires and saying, okay, right now, this is what I need to put. I'm, I'm trying to learn how to do this remote work overnight or how to send my entire team to work virtually or whatever is it that all organizations across not just the country but the globe had had to do in a very short period of time. And so it seems simple for organizations to push culture aside. How important do you think it is for organizations to focus on culture during a crisis like the one we're currently having? Well, for those who are already working on culture and already have a great culture and have a, you know, a cohesive workforce, this pandemic, this time of great change is going to be a lot easier for them, right? Because they already have these fundamentals of communicating and listening and growing and open to new ideas. They already have all that working. So it's going to be easier for them. Now, some people are going to say, Pooh, wow, I, you know, six months ago, we were still in a, a time where it was really the employees market, right? There weren't enough people right. to work and everyone was saying, mm, maybe we should do some about our culture so that we can get great talent and keep great talent. And so for some organizations, they're going to think, Pooh, there are so many people that need work. I don't need to worry about that. However, I am going to say that as we come through this on the other end, whether that's in six months, a year or two years, there will be another end. Uh, there are actually going to be less talented people in the workforce because so many talented people are out of work that they have found ways to become their own entrepreneurs. The, the workforce, the amount of people out there who can belong to your workforce has been shrinking for years. Part of right. that is that the birth rate has shrunk four years in a row. Okay, so there's just going to be less people in the future. That's number one. Number two, there are, you know, I can give you examples of eight-year-old kids who are making millions of dollars on YouTube. Right. And there are other kids, kids, young adults, who are making lots of money playing video games. Right. On TV and people are paying to watch them. That's just two examples. But there are so many um, young people out there now and older people, I don't want to just, I don't want to put it in any generation because it's really all ages, but out of necessity, people are becoming entrepreneurs. Right. And so I think when, when we get through this mishmash here, um, that we're actually going to have 
less people available to do what they we need them to do in our companies. And so culture is going to be really important. And so again, for those who want to ignore it, I've stopped trying to convince them that it's a good idea. <laughs> uh, they, they may get a short-term gain, but in the long run, they're going to be so far behind. Absolutely. And it's important that we talk about that because clearly you and I are both firm believers that how organizations handle culture in times of crisis, how employees are treated during difficult times really, truly reflects what the foundation of the true culture is, right? It's very easy to be motivated when things are great, right? When we're making yeah. money, when we, you know, we're, we can pay all of our bills, whether it's at a personal level or a professional level, when things are going great, it's easy to be happy. But how can you, and it's not just about being happy, but being engaged, how can you keep that engagement? And how can you keep those employees during the times where it feels like all we're doing is giving people bad news after bad news? And by the way, we're also saying at this point, Honestly, we don't know when it's going to get better. We're trying, but we don't know when it's going to get better. This is when it matters because those employees in the future, those people who are having to be creative today and become entrepreneurs and have to do whatever they have to do in order to be able to support their families, they are going to remember what that environment looked like at the organization that they work for in, in the future. And that's how they're going to be. Some people are going to be very successful and they're going to stay as entrepreneurs. Some others are going to decide to get back into the workforce and they are going to make decisions based on the knowledge that they have about organizations. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, companies who've had to furlough people, uh, the, the smart ones are keeping in touch with them, communicating with them, I've had worked with several companies on my focus huddles, which we'll talk about later. Um, and they are upping their game on communication. And the communication isn't always about the job. It's about the humans. Right. And what's going to happen when they need those people back? Those people are going to remember that. Yeah. Right. And they're not going to jump somewhere else. They may for a while out of right. necessity, but when their old job calls them back, who cared about them and was really interested in their ideas on how to get through, they're going to stay loyal. And so Absolutely. we're going to have a lot more retention than we did before. Because they are going to remember that. And there are a couple of things that are key in that conversation because as I'm having conversations with multiple leaders in other organizations and I'm saying we need to maintain culture, we need to work harder at it now more than ever. Um, and then I realized that a lot of organizations are thinking, okay, well, uh, how can we maintain that engagement and how can we maintain the motivation when we are talking about laying people off, when we are talking about furloughing people, when we are talking about the fact that people are losing their jobs, that companies are shutting down and all of this other stuff. And when I'm having those conversation with, conversations with leader, is is a huge difference between being able to give the sad news is the reality that we're all living in, but it's in the way in which you communicate and then how you maintain that communication beyond. So to the point that you were sharing, when people are having to be laid off or furlough or whatever is currently happening, 
a lot of organizations are thinking, well, we already, we already did that and people are already losing faith in us. Absolutely not. It's all about how you manage that delivery. It's all about how you manage the communication that will make a difference. So thank you for sharing that because I believe that's going to be critical. And that's true for your clients and customers as well. To go Absolutely. silent is, is not as uh, good as an approach as not going silent, right? Absolutely. As to get out there, not with the emails that, you know, are just cookie cutter. But um, I was talking to uh, some people from the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust here in Pittsburgh about you know, okay, you're writing letters about we don't know when we're going to get back to see our plays and dance and everything, but why don't you put out some other pieces of art that people can watch now? Right. Just to fill them, right? And they're going to remember that, whether they watch it or not. But so one of the places in town is a, as a magic show. So every Friday, they're doing magic online. Right. Just it's right? It's all about staying top of mind. Yeah. Whether it's your employees or your clients or customers or whatever, it's staying on top of mind. And it's all about serving right now, right? Absolutely. And that, that's really, really important. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That reminded me, um, I saw in the news and I can't remember where it was, but some of the zoos were actually doing virtual tours because, you know, we're all inside and we're all trying to find creative ways to keep our families entertained and there are so many only so many board games we can play and all of that so I love that I saw some of the zoos they started some online uh, tours and, and it some was of the art galleries too yeah I love it and it's very engaging and it really shows that we are when we are put in a situation where we have to do something suddenly we we all become creative people right I always consider myself not a very creative person and then overnight all of this stuff happens and then it's like okay we have a million ideas as to how we can keep our workforce engaged and how we can do all of these different things so uh, th that's critically important so thank you for that um, so in your opinion, since we're talking about this crisis, what this looks like now, what hopefully, uh, what, what things are going to look like in the future, what do you think is going to be one of the longer term impacts that this crisis is going to have as it relates to organizational culture? And I think we touched on that a little bit in what we were discussing, but what are other things that you feel like would be um, a longer term impact? Because I think everybody's focused on how this is affecting right now, and we all need to be thinking about where are we going with this? Um, I really believe that in the future, more people are gonna work remotely. I think that the CEOs who didn't believe the research and uh, didn't believe what was out there and written about how much more productive people can be being remote workers have realized now that people can work remotely and that sometimes they're even more productive than they were before and uh, that there are ways to communicate remotely. So I think that's my opinion, nobody knows, but I think there'll definitely be more remote working in the future. Um, but to go along with that, to have that be successful communication, yeah, they'll have to up their game on communication too. For sure, absolutely, because right? with, the, with the remote workforce is going to come that inability to be up close and personal, so you have Correct. to be very creative about that. So, but it's not only going to be 
here's the here's the crux though it's not going to be just communicating what you want from your workforce when they need to get things done it's also going to be communicating what do you need that you don't have right now so that you can do this absolutely so there's yeah. going to have to be a shift which exists in a good culture anyway to make sure that the needs of the workforce are being met as much as, or if not, as the company's needs. Yeah, that, and that is the golden rule right there, right? Because we often feel like communication is how much can we tell our employees about what's going on with the company? What are we doing? How are we doing it? How much money we are making or not, or all of this stuff. And then we often forget to receive that information that they need to share with us about how they are doing or what, what things are going on with them. And this is a good segue into the next question because I'm good with segues. You are, you're on point. It's like we planned this. It's, it always works like this. I know the audience <laughs> is going to be excited about listening to this because our conversation, we could pretty much record every conversation and it always flows this great. So I love that. Uh, so what are some of the things that companies can do to maintain culture while their employees are working remotely for an indefinite period of time? And let me, let me touch on something when I say that. That example that you were sharing just now is the perfect example, right? Overnight, we had to send our employees to be remote. And we said, here's a computer. Do you have internet? Plug it in and get to work. And I think that we often fail to realize how, for some people who have never worked in that environment before, how difficult that can be. I'm, I've been a remote person for 12 years, so I've been traveling, and the only thing that's happened to me is that now I'm home permanently rather than going somewhere. So for me, this was there was no transition. I'm just at home. But for a lot of people, that was very difficult. How do I connect to my VPN? How do I, you know, what's my best way to have stable internet even those things that we're not even thinking about and organizations are saying here here's your computer here's we're giving you everything that you need but we're forgetting to to request that feedback from our people about how is this whole transition making them feel and what can we do to assist them right and 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 again we have to care about the workforce so what about teaching your remote workforce how important it is to get up out of their chair at least every two hours? Yeah. How important is it to suggest to our workforce that they need sleep? Right. How important is it for us to communicate with our workforce if we're, we don't see how many hours you're in the office? you need to tell us if you can't get it done, right? right? Because it's commonplace for people to keep piling stuff on. In fact, I run into this quite a bit with my executive coaching where someone will say, oh, I was up till three in the morning doing this project. Every <laughs> night I'm up till three in the morning. And I say, well, they don't know that. And if you right. don't tell them, they're just going to keep giving you that same amount of work. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who's just lazy. So we'll just take right. them out of yeah, the equation. Absolutely. Um, because usually a person who's lazy is not getting up at three o'clock in the morning or, anyway. or work until <laughs> three in the morning anyway. So one of the ideas I give those people is you must have that kind of communication and say, okay, you gave me eight things to do. I'll make this up. You gave mm -hmm. me eight 
actions I have to take. And in my day, I'm only, I'm looking at this, I'm only going to have time for four. I might have time for the others, but what's my priorities? This is what I think my priorities are. What do you think my priorities are? And make sure they're on the same page. So having that dialogue, when you say, what do I think is the most important? Communicate, 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 communicate. I'll just keep repeating that backwards and forwards. So you need to be able to uh, be very specific about what the needs of the company are, and you have to be open to listening to what people can actually do because it's a new horizon. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it brings up the point that you shared earlier when we're talking about communication is not just one way communications. A lot of times when I talk to different leaders, I hear that, well, we send weekly emails or weekly messages or this or that, and we're feeding people the information, but we're not requesting that feedback. So therefore, we're not, we are completely unaware of how people are feeling on the other end. And so then we're thinking, look at us, we've communicated all this information, but then perhaps they're not understanding it. And we're not requesting that feedback in order for them to feel comfortable to reach back out and say, you know, I've got all your emails, but I don't really know what you mean as it relates to A, B, or C. Right. And depending upon your culture, people may feel they can't do that. So in, in cultures that aren't that great, <laughs> yes. that don't have that high level of communication, there are always people in the workforce that don't feel comfortable because they weren't given that opportunity. So mm -hmm. they don't feel comfortable moving forward and being able to say, uh, I don't have what I need to do this. Yeah. Uh, culture creates definitely those invisible barriers, right? Where uh, we're saying, look, at, we've done all this, we've communicated, we've done all of that, but the perception of that particular individual and how they think and how they feel about the culture of the organization may be preventing them from feeling comfortable reaching out. And therefore, even though you're, you're giving it your effort, because you don't have that type of relationship, because you haven't created that culture of trust and uh, communicating in a two-way manner, then people are creating those invisible barriers themselves where they feel like, I, I don't think I can ask this question. They may think I'm silly or they may think I, whatever, whatever people may think in their mind. Is that, and that's why it's so important to request that feedback. And the organizations I'm talking to now, their communication is done much more often than it was before. It's done by Zoom or webcast or whatever they, Google Meets, whatever they use, Teams. Um, they do that so that they can see one another, right? Because right. that's a whole different level of engagement than an email back and forth. Right. Managers are checking in with their teams much more often, smaller groups, so they can have really good conversations with one another. Uh, did you understand what we need? Do you have, asking that great question, do you have what you need to finish this project? Right. That could be time, that could be information, that could be connection to someone else. It could be a slew of uh, whatever the missing part may be. Um, but people have that ability and when they're asked, right, that makes people feel like, wow, you value what I have to say. And now I feel more like I want to get the project done because I'm going to get what I need to get the project done. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely very important and I, so the next question i think we touched on it just a little bit a few minutes ago but i want to go into this a little deeper in regards to flexibility uh flexibility has always been important uh now more than ever has played a huge part in our ability to succeed as it relates to this current crisis and the fact that we just pretty much had to change all of us have to change our lives overnight not only are we facing the fact that we have to everybody's working remotely for the most part but then we also have parents who are homeschooling their children and therefore may not be able to fit that perfect schedule of 8 to 12 and 12 30 to 4 30 or 5 o'clock or whatever that case might be so how flexible do you think organizations need to be in terms of the schedules in virtual work uh, as it relates to their employees, even after things settle down a little bit, because people are sort of developing new habits within everything that it relates to this crisis. So how, how do you think flexibility is going to take uh, play in this whole situation? Well, again, um, you gotta know your people. You gotta know what their lives are like. This is a good opportunity to know what's on their plate. People have to be able to say, hey, guess what? My mom uh, is in the hospital now. I, I, I can't do any of this, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and even on the other end, flexibility has to do, like I said, with knowing who your people are and knowing that people have different circadian rhythms. Right. And now sometimes that can't be done because you have to call people in certain areas. My son does everything online and sometimes he, because he's doing something in Australia, he's making a call at 10 o'clock at night, which is there next day, right? Right. And so, um, yeah, so depending upon what your organization is doing as the workforce, you have to be flexible also. Right. Um, but if it's just a matter of work that can be done anytime, then like I said, if you're having a meeting every day at 12 o'clock, you expect everybody to be there at 12 o'clock. But maybe for some people, that's when they just woke up or maybe they do their homeschooling in the morning with their little kids and then they work from 12 to eight. Right. I don't yeah, think it, that should matter unless it matters to the, to the business. Perfect. I guess that, what I'm saying. That, so there's going to be great flexibility there in that, or people are just going to get frustrated, right? And when people are frustrated, when people are worried about, do I fit the mold? And, or basically when they just worry, they don't, they're not as productive. They're not as creative. They're not as engaged. We have right. to remember people's emotions and people's emotions right now are really high in a lot of different arenas and they're all really different. And what I find is that the organizations that have stepped up their communication, some of their communications have nothing to do with work. Right. <laughs> it's like, let's get together and tell me what's the best thing and the worst thing that happened to you today. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then people can express that and move on from it. Yeah, and then you just develop, I think trust is a, is a word that comes Absolutely. to mind, right? You just develop that trust where instead of people having to make excuses as to why they couldn't start project A at 10 o'clock or whatever time, they can be 
very honest and say, you know what, it, it happened to me this morning, as a matter of fact, I've had this quote unquote perfect schedule with my homeschooling with my fourth grader and everything has been going great. And today was just a tough day of homeschooling. He's doing some algebra that's completely new to him and he was quite frustrated. So my day just kind of got thrown off today. And that's exactly what I did. I sent my boss an email. We have a call at 10 a.m. and I needed to send an email before our 10 a.m. call and I sent him an email and I said, my apologies today, homeschooling was chaotic, but we have that relationship. We have that level of trust where we don't want to create that environment where people feel the need to make excuses rather than tell or the lie. story or lie. Yeah. And in many cases, organizations and leaders, we place our employees in positions where they sort of feel forced. You know, I rather somebody to tell me, you know what? I overslept today and that's why I came into work. And I have an example about that. My daughter who's um, 17, last summer she was working at Panera Bread and she uh, she was working the weekends and she closed on Friday. She got home close to like 1130. Uh, and then she had to open the next morning, which meant she had to be there by 5 a.m. Um, you know, she, she had been with them for about a month or so. She overslept. She woke up at 5.45 and she was panicking and she reached out to me. She, she wakes me up. She's like, mom, what do I do? What do I say? And I said, you walk, you, first of all, get ready as quickly as you can get in your car, call on your way there and let your manager know that you're on your way there. And when you get there, you let your manager know that you overslept. And she just kind of looked at me with like, Am I supposed to say something Glassed different? Glassed over eyes. Yeah. It's like, am I, I going to get in trouble? I say, you might. They might be disappointed that you came in late, but you want to have that trust where it, sometimes we oversleep and, that, and that's okay. But companies have to create that environment where an employee doesn't have to feel like saying I had a flat tire or childcare or the dog blah, blah, ate blah. my homework. Correct. All of those things. You have to create that environment in order for people to be comfortable with that. And of course, as you said earlier, the ones who are lazy or the ones who are just not doing the things that they need to do. Because yeah, they're at the end of the bell like, curve. Yep. So we don't even talk about those, but Correct. there's another point I want to make about flexibility. You know, I, I say we're on COVID time right now. <laughs> a week is like a month. And when you talk about October, to me, that's like four years from now. There is yeah. no way. Most of the news right now is made up on maybes, yeah. right? And there is no way that we really know what's going to go on. I think it is so important for organizations right now to answer some questions with, I don't know yeah. because it's honest transparency. Absolutely. Because transparency it's honest is and you know, you can expand from that. I don't know if this, this, and this happens, then we're going to move in this direction. If this, this, and this happens, then we're going to have to move in this direction. But I can't tell you today, this is what we're going to try to do, but we'll see. I, I think it makes them vulnerable too, right? Because, mm -hmm. but it makes them honest and it just goes right back to that trust. In really great cultures that communicate really well, they have a high threshold of trust between the workforce and uh, the C-suite. And the Absolutely. Is that, is that back and forward uh, level of trust and transparency is what creates that kind of environment. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's, uh, that's great advice for leaders. And then, and that's the next question. What advice do you have for leaders as they plan 
what the future of the organizations are go is going to look like beyond COVID-19, beyond crisis mode? Communication, you know, I, I can't say that enough. Out and allowing people to uh, communicate back. You know, with all of the research I've done with these great leaders who have great cultures and sustain them, there were four attributes that came to the forefront that they all have. And they are all going to be true going forward, which is amazing to me, but it's great because it, it is going right. to stay the same. And the first one is to be a good listener. And that's really important now. And that's going to be really important as businesses change and move into other models of how they're going to work going forward, whether that be in what they produce or how their workforce runs. So listening is still going to be very important. The second one is being open to new ideas. Well, this is a huge time for everyone to be creative and not just on the top, right? It's always been, you got to be open to ideas for the people who are really doing the work because they know it better than some of the leadership because they're not doing the day-to-day -day activities. And a good, you manage people if, if you tell them what to do. You lead people if you listen to what they do. Totally different. And then lifelong learning was another one of those key attributes of a great culture. And we are asking people to learn new ways of doing business, whether it's how to set up their remote workforce or learning how to use Zoom, right? Or whatever they use for their communication tool. A lot of people are going to different ways of doing that. And so this lifelong learning is really important. And the great companies I've talked to also incorporate lifelong learning that has nothing to do with works. They are expanding the human being as a whole. Okay, and then the last one was creating a safe environment, which as you can see, relates to all the other ones. And that's not going to change either. Right. So the four attributes that sustain, create a great culture, a culture that defines your brand, it defines how your company works, and it defines your workforce. They will be the same. They will just be more so, which is what happens in any crisis. Uh, I always use the analogy for anyone who's listening who's ever lost a parent and who has siblings, your relationship with your siblings just gets more of what it was before, right? If you were competitive with your sister, when your mom's dying, you become more competitive. Right. If you have a sibling that was a know-it-all, they're even more of a know-it-all. There's always, you know, there's a sibling that isn't living with a parent who's dying, but knows all the things to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a common experience with people, and that's why I use it as an example. And that's why listening is going to be even more important, especially right now. 
these four key elements will just be need to be heightened while we're going through the crisis and then they need to be continued on the other side whenever that may be right and i think it's important to make sure that leadership is authentic right authenticity have their own vulnerabilities and be honest Hello. So that's what I think is going to happen in the future. Really not much different than what's been happening. Just a keener sense of it, especially right now. I love it. Uh, that's such a great way to, um, to finish. I have one more question, uh, more uh, related to you uh, as a professional. But thank you so much for sharing all of that, Julianne. This is such an inspiring way to end this because this is exactly what we need. We need that type of mentality in the world in order for us to keep pushing forward uh, during times where we're all wondering what's, what's going to happen the next day. So why don't you tell us about what you are currently working on or what organizations are you helping during this time? And if there is a way for people to know more about you and to find information about you, where can they do that? Well, I'm all over the internet. You can always go to juliannesullivan.com uh, where my website is and contact me through there. But I'm very excited to be doing what I'm calling focus huddles. I feel very fortunate right now. A lot of people don't feel fortunate. I do feel fortunate. And I wanted to find a way to give back, but I'm not a medical professional in any way, shape or form. So I couldn't do anything like that. So I, I went back to my business culture expertise and I created focus huddles. And focus huddles are getting together with teams and focusing on short-term goals for long-term success. I am doing this free of charge. It is one half hour. I've had a really a lot of fun. I've been doing it with small teams. The last one I did was a team of 50 people from Universal Studios Hollywood um, and really getting people to focus on 1%, what they can do right now to make their lives better, their colleagues' lives better, their companies' lives better, their customers' and clients' lives better, their families, their community, and the rest of the world. If anyone is interested in me doing that for their team, again, I suggest the easiest way is to go to juliannesullivan.com and contact me through my contact form. And if you can remember, it's Julianne without an E on the end of Anne at juliannesullivan.com. Amazing. I love that. I'm super excited. I know I, I want to uh, get some information out there about your huddles because I thought that was just such a great idea. I think that right now we're, we're trying to focus on all these different things. And if we can focus on the small victories that we can have during this time, then that's how we continue to push forward. I was definitely in that place myself as it relates to my upcoming conference where I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I can't right. do that. And then I had to take a pause and say, wait a minute, I can't focus on all of those things because if I focus 100% of my attention, nothing is going to change. I don't know what's going to happen. So I decided to take a step back and truly focus on the things that I am able to do. So I think that would be extremely beneficial to anyone who's interested in joining. Um, if you are interested it's, in. Yeah, it's great for team engagement while teams are separated. 
absolutely. I think it's fantastic. JulianneSullivan.com is the website if you are interested. I will also post this uh, when I share the podcast. Julianne, thank you so much. I very much appreciate your time today. It's been my pleasure to have to have the ability to spend this time with you. And I know that we will be in touch multiple times beyond <laughs> this. And we'll, we'll, we probably have so much more to talk about that I'm sure we'll probably have another one of this uh, in the next few months. But thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lena. It's my pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening. If you are interested in being a guest in uh, the Cultural Revolution podcast, please send an email to podcast at cultureconnects.com or info at cultureconnects.com and we will put you on the list of attendees. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Culture Revolution. Please join us next time as we continue our mission of exploring the unique perspectives of culture. If you want to join us on our next episode, please send an email to podcast at cultureconnects.com.